All right, we're recording. You ready, Megan? I am. This is the first one, episode one. Episode one. Come on. Okay. Welcome to TikTok Theology, a podcast that tackles the major trending topics on social media that concern the Christian faith. I'm Megan. And I'm Steven. We know you can't form a theology in three minutes or less, but those videos can identify current issues. TikTok will give us the prompt, and then we'll do a deep dive. Thanks for joining us in this exploration. All right, so we thought fitting for the first conversation on TikTok theology would be mm-hmm. discussing the topic of deconstruction, which has been really, really huge um, in TikTok, Instagram Reels, uh, YouTube, wherever you're really getting all of your information on social media is the concept of deconstruction has really blown up, especially since um, the COVID pandemic. But uh, the concept of really like deconstructing what you believe mm-hmm. about um, either faith or Christianity or God, depending on where you find yourself on the spectrum of deconstruction. Uh, And so I think that this would be a really good place to start. For sure, for sure. All right. So, uh, you know, as we start, I think, you know, we got to do some definitions because when I was teaching, I I teach philosophy and I remember some students talking to me about deconstruction, Mm -hmm. just like randomly, like, yeah, I've been deconstructing uh, this idea. I was like, man, what you know about deconstruction? (laughs) You know what I mean? Like, because I had a completely different framework for what it was uh, several years ago. And so I want to just briefly, I guess, differentiate. So the word originally comes from philosophy and it's usually associated with uh, Jacques Derrida, French continental philosopher um, back in the day. So this concept's like 50 years old. Come on. And so he... Uh, he basically says his, his main idea is that everyone interprets all of his or her own experiences on the basis of their language. Mm-hmm. Okay. So like, and so his, he's kind of does like philosophy of language. He has this really famous book called of grammatology. And he says this quote, there is nothing outside the text. And so basically what he's saying is the existence of a reality is dictated by the context in which the text is perceptively interpreted. Hmm. So in other words, uh, like you, th- the words you say literally don't mean anything outside of the context. They're right. just utterances. They're just sounds or they're just like, you know, like- <laughs> We just like, talking. <laughs> we're just talking, yeah. So, um, and so he wanted to like, so that's kind of like this first premise is that everything is contextually bound. And so what he was doing and why he calls it deconstruction mm-hmm. is he wanted to take like, okay, what are these ideas that are contextually bound and can I break it apart? I had a teacher one time uh, kind of like give me a, when I was in college, he, he gave me a, an image of like, if let's say you have like this, this tube and then you just like broke it in half yeah. and then you're trying to see what's under, what's inside the tube. And then what he ended up realizing is that there's more tubes. There's more, like it just kept going, kept breaking it because everything has these kind of like contextual constructs from which ideas come from. And so for him, deconstructing is basically you know how some people were like, oh, this is the truth just because of the way it is. This, yeah. this is the way it is. Mm-hmm. Well, that claim is really um, like a foundational objective claim. Mm-hmm. And it's kind of, and so he, he basically said like, is that really the case? Is that the case that you can make that claim about something else? And so I think someone might look at like, oh, well, this sounds kind of like anti-religious. Mm. And, but he wasn't really getting that way. And a lot of these like, you know, late 70s, 80s philosophers that were writing in this time, like Jean-Francois Lyotard, he wrote The Postmodern Condition in 1979. And then he was really against these, uh, he called them meta-narratives, these like big narratives that oppose all narratives and basically says foundational for everything that you know. And if it's not within that, then it's not true. Hmm. 
but like his idea wasn't against like religion saying in meta narrative he actually like made that attack against science hmm. science saying like oh if it's not empirical knowledge if it's not scientific knowledge then it's not knowledge it's not knowledge right right and then he was like no there's lots of narratives there's lots of ways of understanding things right that coexist and um and so that's i think that's kind of what he's getting at is derrida saying like okay everything can be deconstructed there's something there's mechanisms underneath these concepts yeah. that you can get to and so um and so when we start peeling away these layers then mm-hmm. we can get to okay what is it because sometimes a lot of times somebody says something that's supposed to be simply true but really it's a way for them to keep and maintain power mm-hmm. so that's kind of the problem is like okay are you saying this just to keep power here or to oppress another group or to right. do something and so therefore you're you're making this this is the way it is if we can deconstruct that then mm-hmm. we'll see oh nope this is just a power mechanism that you have right so that's that's the conversation that they're having in the 80s 70s 80s um you know and and 90s too and so this is kind of how we think of postmodernism. And um, and which, by the way, Jacques Derrida hated that term. He never, he never <laughs> wanted you to call him a postmodern. But like, but he was definitely the main guy to deconstruct that that did deconstruction. Yeah. So when my students told me, it was kind of along those lines, but it wasn't exactly that. So I wanted to kind of like differentiate. So what would you say is how people are talking about deconstruction today? Like, what does a Gen Z think of it? What 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 are they yeah. saying when they're saying they're deconstructing? I think I would I would point out that. I think deconstruction now has become a kind of trigger word for dismantling your religious beliefs. Because mm. um, most people aren't going to say, oh, I deconstructed my politics. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Or, oh, I deconstructed my you know economic views right, or right. anything like that. Most people are making these deconstruction claims or, or saying faith. I'm a deconstructionist mm-hmm. in specific regards to faith and religion. Yeah. Um, Cause I even like when I have conversations with people at LPU or, or in answer, you know, little discussion boards in my, in my master's program is people are pretty much explicitly talking about mm-hmm. whether or not they believe in God anymore mm. or whether or not they believe in um, the faith, the way that they used to, or the faith of their parents. Okay. So I think currently in the current status of the world, deconstruction has become um, synonymous with uh, deciding you don't, you don't align to a religion anymore okay. or you've, you've kind of broken down the, what you've believed mm-hmm. or what you've grown up believing and have been mm-hmm. like, I, from based on what I've seen mm-hmm. or based on what I've experienced, I no longer believe um, in the faith or in the God that I have known for X, X amount of years. Right, right. Um, so I think now I would go as far to claim that deconstruction has become a um, religious term and has actually become kind of a, a trigger word in churches. Mm-hmm. Um, if you talk to like anybody in the church and you, and you say like, oh, I think I'm really deconstructing right now, like people right. freak out. Right, right. Or if you tell your parents like, I'm really deconstructing my faith, they're like, oh my gosh. Like, Because they're associated oh, no. with like you're losing your faith. You're losing you're, your faith. Yeah. And so it's almost gone to this place where deconstruction feels like I'm just walking away. Like I've mm-hmm. decided I'm done with faith or religion entirely. Yeah. Um, even though I think if you think about it deeper, deconstruction doesn't automatically mean that I don't believe in a religion or I don't believe in God anymore. Right, right. Yeah. It, it means that you're really looking through and an- analyzing what you've either grown up believing or the mm-hmm. context in which you've had your faith. And you're deciding, sifting through, like, do I believe this anymore? And that's, you know, part of that is... Um is healthy. It's part of our just us being uh, theologically minded. You yeah. know, like I think that's that's part of it. Like, you know, when we have um, 
um, you know, we talk about like the faith of a child, like hmm. First Corinthians thirteen. You know, like um, yeah. when I became a man, I put childishness behind me, and and so like part of growing and maturing in your faith is claiming and understanding um, your faith for yourself. Yeah. So you know, when we grow up, we emulate and parrot the things that our parents tell us that like our youth pastors or pastors, yeah. like those people that are around us. And, um, and you know, a lot of times we have good parents and good, good support systems that teach us, uh, teach us things well, you know, like I know that's definitely the case for me Yeah, me was as well. my parents were awesome. And so, but then when I grew in theology, I realized there's stuff I don't agree with my dad on and that like now I can even argue with him about and it's okay. Yeah. Like he, I mean, you know, like he, you know, he's a, he, he's a wise, mature, awesome, loving dude. And he recognizes, um, okay, my son's a theologian and he loves Jesus like crazy. Right. And I love Jesus. So we can just have a good dialogue. And so that's, that's really like, that's what you see happening yeah. in theology. That is theology. Mm-hmm. You're in a master's program, yes. you know, uh, you know, doing theology and yeah. you see those dialogues happening. It's not like mm-hmm. these people aren't believers and aren't like really in love with Jesus. Yeah. They're just, they're having those dialogues of like, okay, what is the origin of this view and that view? And is it actually viable for our church and for our lives? Right. And so that might be the case, you know, and I think, you know, in this podcast, we're going to end up finding a lot of things that are like, oh, well, this was taught. Right. You know, like this gave you a whole bunch of anxiety when you were young. But, oh, uh-huh. You know, but, like, but maybe <laughs> maybe it wasn't, maybe it's not uh, necessary or maybe it's not the, the way to understand it. So yeah. I guess, um, what do you think um, are some of the causes that people are going all the way, you know, like deconstructing beyond kind of the healthy natural things of just like coming to faith in your own Mm -hmm. and like and just leaving the faith all the way behind what do you what do you think are some of those causes you know it's so so different for each person i've seen so many different perspectives on um why people will deconstruct all the way down to nothing Mm -hmm. and i think that can be the danger of what has kind of come about recently is it's not a deconstruction to reconstruct it's yeah. deconstructed to demolish and that's yeah that's and, and so they're taking a wrecking ball to the entire foundation like to the entire house yeah and then just clearing it out instead of being like okay maybe we need to like take down this wall or take down these windows yeah, 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 yeah. and then but the foundation is still good mm-hmm. and so i think a lot of that has come from uh one the covid pandemic i think propelled a lot of us into really speculative realities of oh well if god is good then how could this have happened to everybody and all of us and it's kind of one of the few events so like it confronted a lot of people with the problem of evil like the philosophical problem like right in the face and Mm -hmm. i think that this is such a an experience for especially gen z this is kind of the first like major life crisis that we mm-hmm. have seen like we didn't see world wars and we didn't see or like, 9-11 9-11 or 9-11 most of was, us were yeah, very small that was the formative thing for millennials yeah for my, for my generation and I, was I was 16 i was three months old yeah when 9-11 happened <laughs> yeah, yeah. yeah so this was a very like foundational moment and it happened when most of us were in high school mm-hmm. and college mm-hmm. so already times of life where you're questioning everything already and because you've left your parents house or you're about to leave your parents house and you're developing things for yourself and so i think that caused us to confront a lot of things even i had a faith crisis Mm -hmm. in covid where i was like everything i feel like i know about the lord Mm -hmm. is like i feel like it's shattering at my feet um and i would argue that those faith crises are are healthy because i i don't think god ever intended us to just close our eyes and be like all right i'm following you like the entire bible exists 
to a testament of the goodness of God mm. and to the fact that like he is trustworthy. Yeah. And scripture is like there for us to look at that when our lives are like deteriorating, like we can see the goodness of God reflected in scripture. Mm-hmm. But I think that that panic in not just young people, but like pastors and leaders, there was a lot of inauthenticity that mm-hmm. came about of trying to deal with it where they didn't know how to respond. And so people were asking genuine faith questions and it was kind of like put the bandaid on of like, yeah. well, have faith. Yeah. Yeah. And you're like, what? um yeah. <laughs> like there's no way and then pastors would go and suffer at home there was like no authenticity mm-hmm. of like i think we're all struggling yeah and how can we like all honest, do this people to- weren't honest yeah about- there wasn't and it almost felt like if you were struggling it was like a scarlet letter mm. of like you're not allowed to what are you doing like you're not allowed to struggle like yeah. just have faith yeah and so i think that even that response mm-hmm. has driven people even further because they're like they yeah. were seeking help at one point like yeah, most yeah. people don't go straight from like i have doubts to i don't believe in god anymore yeah i would argue that there's a lot of of process in between where people are reaching out for help mm-hmm. but they're not receiving like genuine authentic scripture-based responses they're just getting hit with have faith or god will see us through this or god's timing is always right or whatever and then they're like well if you don't know and i don't know then i guess it's not real or i guess it's not genuine yeah okay so um so i had a thought uh hear me out on this listen to what i what my thought is and then let me know let me know what you think the thoughts and feelings okay okay so um i think part of the causes so if you think about this on like the social aspects of things. Mm-hmm. So, uh, could it be that those who deconstruct are in positions of privilege mm. in order to deconstruct? And that's why I'm like tricky on it. Cause like, obviously privilege has a super loaded concept, but like, right. Think, Another word that feels right, like yeah, a trigger word. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> but, but think about it, Think about it in this way. So like, so if you are in a, uh, um, you know, a majority world, uh, mm-hmm. country you know like um, my i'm half puerto rican and half german right. so like i you know i lived in both places and um and then in, in puerto rico like a lot of it was like super there's a lot of struggle there. there's a lot of yeah. like um you know uh economic issues and stuff like that and, and you'll find that in a lot of like um uh hispanic cultures you know in, in uh in central south american caribbean islands stuff like that and um and so a lot of it um people learn how to deal theologically yeah with crisis yeah because that's their it's, it's their given situation yeah so like okay if you are in a country where the government is oppressive or mm-hmm. the economics are so poor people aren't they don't know if they're gonna eat all the time right. then like your whole theological mindset is given to how is god delivering us even now how is he providing us how we share as a community to provide for each other yeah. um like we, we think about god's abundance and and the fact of scarcity in a completely different mindset yeah. than someone who doesn't have these issues 100%. and so if you don't have these issues then i think you know the faith becomes a lot more internally focused we're focusing on um oh you know like your own personal sin as opposed to the social sins that affect us and stuff right. like that and maybe covid was this thing where like now you are thrust into uh into crisis yeah all these people are thrust into crisis and they haven't really seen crisis before yeah so their theologies were not equipped 
to actually speak towards the crisis. Yeah. They could not see Christ as liberator because they've never used that language or understood him in, right. that, in that frame. They've never experienced any yeah. form of oppression at all. Right, right, right. Yeah. And so this is not like, it wasn't governmental oppression. We, I mean, depending, depending on, on how, who you ask. Yeah, depending on who you ask. So they might think like, oh, we have to mass mandate. But like, honestly, right. we got to give a lot of grace to like every government like that, like, um, like whether you were in, you know, California or Florida, it was a difficult time to govern. Yeah. You know what I mean? There has for to everybody. be for everybody. Nobody, yes. nobody really had the right answers, mm-hmm. but everybody was confronted regardless of this is the crisis. And, and, and then like you said, a lot of the answers were inauthentic and weak. Yeah. What do you think of that idea? Is that- I, I think it's good. And I think, I think that kind of goes hand in hand with even when I was struggling um, with my faith in COVID is I had a pretty terrible theology of suffering, mm. like a pretty garbage. <laughs> We're both coming from Pentecostal backgrounds. Yeah. And sometimes Pentecostals uh, can be triumphalistic to the point where yeah. they, it's all about victory, which is beautiful and good. And I wish more people actually did look at, this victorious side, but right. not to the detriment of understanding how to deal with suffering. To, right. And I think that that's the part of scripture that even like I had to confront that like almost made me uncomfortable a little yeah. bit because it's like in the new Testament, it's like all up in the gospels of like in this world, you will have trouble, but take heart. I've overcome the world. Yeah. And you know, like the world will hate you because I am yeah. in you. And yeah, yeah like you like suffering of your faith produces endurance. Like there's a lot of verses and terminology that are about how we will struggle in mm-hmm. this world. Mm-hmm. And I think that I, I, as someone who's born and raised in California um, and like to a, you know, solid middle-class family, like we did not probably upper middle-class, like we did not struggle right? really. And for like the basic needs that would be a, a necessity sure. across the world. And sure. so when I like, <laughs> was ex- like when things got canceled and I had to leave school, you know, my mm-hmm. school, I paid like my parents paid thousands of dollars for me to go to. Like yeah. it was like, that was devastating to me, which mm-hmm. was totally legitimate for no, like that's my, legitimate. Yeah, it's like, totally yeah. legitimate. Like, Your life it, is being, turned my life down. is being turned upside down. Yeah. But I think like, it's it was so easy for me to have the head knowledge of oh yeah we suffer for the lord mm-hmm. you know or we or we suffer in this world we will struggle but you know take heart um but when things shut down and and, and people were getting sick and mm-hmm. like they weren't being healed um <laughs> you know and yeah. it, it uh, my theology of suffering my pretty poor one came to the to the top and i was like huh i don't deal well in suffering the way that maybe i thought i did right and that I had to learn like suffering does not mean that God is not there and it's suffering does not mean that, you know, that I'm not in the will of God, you know, all that kind of stuff. And, but it does make you think that like there are people in poorer countries and who that's all they know yeah. is illness and poverty and famine. And so when they and build their theology, time, it, it, but because of this, they they live better but, yeah. than us because they know because their theology is built up. Mm-hmm. communally focused, yeah. knowing how to deal with suffering, knowing who God is in the hard times, not just in the good times. Yeah. You know? And so when a lot of people walked away in COVID, it kind of hit me really hard. But even watching like a lot of friends I had um, walk away is like, huh, we, I would like, we're not very good. Maybe I'm not very good or we're not very good at um, clinging to the Lord in the bad <laughs> where we're like, oh, God must have abandoned me totally. when it gets hard. Yeah. Instead of, no, God's goodness is still very much surrounding me and he's still very much in control even when my circumstances do not do it, not display that And at he all. really cares. You know, I, I 
tell my students sometimes, I, I, I kind of remind them, it's like, you know, historically, the first book ever written was Job. Yeah. It's not the first book in the Bible, the first book written. Right. Chronologically. And, and all yeah. That jazz. And yeah. so... And so think about that, like the first thing God dealt with with people were like how to, the problem of suffering. Yeah. <laughs> like that was the first thing. Is like, first like, thing. Yeah, so it's like, it's like, you know, there will be suffering. So like, yeah. and, and that was such a tough, like Job's struggle of it was, you know, was that. So like, I mean, if anything, the Bible, the Bible guarantees we're going to suffer. Yeah. And then gives us the answers in, in a way that's not black and white, simple, mm-hmm. But and we don't way. necessarily like them because it doesn't necessarily mean right. complete restoration or doesn't mean you're going to be comfortable again. Or, right, right. Yeah. And that's not, especially for like Western believers, mm-hmm. it's like, oh, if I'm not, if I'm not comfortable, mm-hmm. if I'm not, you know, in my God is of, of abundance and I'm, a, he's a God of blessing. And if I'm not living in that and kind all of that, luxury. All that, and all that is true. It is. But that doesn't entail this blindness that we have towards suffering of right. others. And so like a God of abundance would tell us that when you are suffering and things are scarce, God will provide enough that if we share with each other, we support each other right. that will make it through. Right. And that if you are in a position of privilege of abundance, then that's a beautiful, good thing. We should rejoice in that. But yeah. that also gives us, this uh, commandment to give, to bless, give. to be a blessing, right. right? This is what God has told to Abraham, right. you know? And so um, so maybe this is the thing that can help people in the times of deconstruction. It's not, I don't think it's like a, a you know, for everybody, like you mm-hmm. said from the beginning, right. it's different for everybody. right? But maybe this idea that um, these are invitations to go help others that yeah. are in need, like just basically enacting your faith. Yeah, It's not just about what you believe. Right. It really, really isn't. Because if, if faith is enacted, then it means nothing. Isn't that what James told us? Yeah. <laughs> right? Faith. Yeah, faith without works is dead. Right. And so um, and so I think, you know, it's time, like, it's almost, I think maybe some of the best advice is, like, if you're questioning your faith, go right now and help someone that's in serious need. Yeah. I think that's so important, too, because, honestly, like, a lot of deconstruction, even as well as coming out of, like, church hurt and church trauma. Yeah. And so people's response is, like, I don't want to go back to church if like to rebuild like that feels like so unsafe and so i feel like that is even a really kind of powerful truth of like okay maybe you're like processing through your church hurt and stuff and so instead of maybe being told like run back to the church you have to be in church you know because then they'll feel like they're going to get what they had already right like why should i trust the church again like instead of doing that like take the truths that we hear in scripture of like the life that jesus calls us to live Mm -hmm. and caring for the poor and the widow and the orphan and do that like they're incredible like Christian organizations and or even non-Christian organizations that are like nonprofits and stuff like get involved mm-hmm. in being mm-hmm. the hands and feet of Jesus. And I mean, I I am hard pressed to believe that Jesus wouldn't honor. <laughs> I think I think important. That. Let's make some resources too. So like in the show notes, we're going to put a couple of um, links to yeah. s- to places where you can go right off the top of my head. Uh, Dream Center. Dream Center. I also um, was thinking of the Dream Center. Yeah. Um, I go to um, Fellowship Monrovia and they do some really good uh, work. Uh, Harambe Ministries um, mm. and, uh, and some really good work for other stuff. But like, yeah. um, and you know, different denomination. We're both part of uh, the Foursquare denomination at the school and stuff. And, yeah. um, and so like there's a lot of good humanitarian efforts. So I think that's a, I think that's something really, really important too. Um, so yeah, great. I think one other, I think one other topic we should hit before um, calling it the day for episode <laughs> number one is um, I think maybe giving a little guidance of like 
the differences between doctrines and what is yeah. like like what what is just doing healthy theology mm-hmm. where we are deconstructing in order to reconstruct right that but, part yeah by the way, don't my, forget the reconstruct <laughs> yeah that's uh my friend um good friend of mine andrew ray williams just wrote a book um and it's about reconstructing his faith we'll put that in the show notes and then um a friend of ours that's awesome Adrian yeah. Soboda, legend. Um, uh, legend. He wrote um, after, after doubt. doubt. Yeah, so that's such a such a good book. So we'll, we'll put, put that in there too. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Get your hands on that one. Yeah, that one's man. That's so good. And he he hits on on what what I'm going to say here too is is you know if if theology is you know critically assessing and thinking through your faith, right? So um, and it you know we don't want our theology to ever be something that's not real to us right we know like theology should be an act of worship we're loving the lord our god with our heart mind, mind soul and strength right yes we forget this all the time that that you know jesus literally said mind in there and yeah and so understanding him in this sense is like okay well that means that we're going to uh get to know who he is better so that way it can affect us in our entire lives yeah. and how we actually education um, is worship edu- yeah education yeah. is worship <laughs> absolutely that's good and so um and so I think, you know, in healthy theology, we will deconstruct or question beliefs that we know are made by human constructs. Yeah. And then there's some other beliefs that are foundational to our faith. Right. Now, were they made by human constructs? We'll say in, in one sense, like maybe the language to them was given by, you know, scholars or whatever. Sure. But these are the ideas that like, uh, that, you know, Christians through the millennia have said, this, this is foundational to the faith to the sense that we feel like they come from direct revelation from God. Right. Some things we can argue about, some things we can think about, and then this is something that's just like, yo, if you don't believe this, then you're not a Christian anymore. Right. Like, it's like Let, that let's kind call of a, a spade a spade. Right, yeah. yeah. So, <laughs> so like, um, if, if you don't believe that Jesus rose again from the dead to die for our sins, um, then you're not, you're something different. Like it's right. not, like, not trying to be mean, but you're just, that's, that's a fun foundation, fundamental claim of Christianity. Right. And so these are kind of like these, uh, some people will think that they're creedal, creedal formations, you know, mm-hmm. like the, the things that make us what we are. So right. real basic story, God is creator of all things. He made everything, right? Right. That um, humanity fell. God made a plan of redemption and sent his son to die for us. And he did. He rose again. And then he sent his spirit uh, to indwell the church. And we are to carry on his ministry until Christ returns again right. and makes all things new. Yeah. That's kind of like your foundational like that is the Christian story. Right. Now there's a whole lot in it we nuance. Yeah. But then when we start getting into those nuances, that's could that could be those times when you can deconstruct ideas. Yeah. So um so that what I just highlighted, those would be known as kind of like your primary Christian beliefs. Right. But then secondary beliefs are very, very important beliefs that even, you know, make denominations. Yeah. But maybe they're not um like you can hold various versions of those secondary beliefs and still be a Christian. And still love the Lord. Yeah, still love the Lord. Yeah. And so like take creation, for example. That God created everything is what's foundational. How God created everything is secondary. Right. So Or how um, long? Was it a literal? Or how long was it? Was literal, it literal? Was it week yeah, was creation, it, was it day of rest? Millennia, all that kind of stuff. Right. As we um you know, there's uh, different views of uh fiat creationism, progressive creationism, theistic evolution. So like evolution that says everything was by accident and God didn't create it, that would be against the faith. That right. would be against the primary Christian right. belief. But evolution that says um God made things to evolve 
that would be theistic evolution. Right. Actually, C.S. Lewis believed that. Like yeah. our our homie, everybody's homie, C.S. Lewis, <laughs> our bestie, yeah. Chronicles of Narnia. <laughs> yeah, he, Chronicles of Narnia. He held to this view. He he argued it in in the book God in the Dock. So like that's so. And and no one's going to say he's not a Christian, right? You know what I mean. And so, no. because that's because he didn't didn't def, you know mess up one of the primary Christian beliefs, right? And so, and then there's some that are like a little tricky. So like, like for example, Pentecostals will look at uh, spirit baptism as foundational, right? As um, but then we recognize that like you know someone who doesn't hold to spirit baptism as a second blessing or third right. or third or, or or anything, we don't say that they're not Christians, right? You know what I'm saying? We'd yeah. say maybe there's something missing, you know, like like you're really like missing out. Like you might out. be missing out, yeah. but you're not like <laughs> missing not, out on heaven or nothing. Yeah, we're not we're not <laughs> saying or salvation. We're not, yeah, we're not saying you're not a Christian. Right. And so that's um and that's a big distinction there. So mm-hmm. so in other words, they are part of our Christian family. Yeah. And something we believe very strong on. Like uh like we believe um in Foursquare denomination uh in uh women in ministry. Right. Like that's a that's a big thing for us. Yeah. We're founded by a woman. Huge. Yeah. But then there's other traditions that don't believe in women ministry. We yeah. might think that they're exegetically wrong or whatever, yeah. but we don't think they're not not like we don't think they're right. not Christians. I don't show up to Baptist church and be like you're burning in hell. Yeah, like, you don't do that. No, no. <laughs> the like, same you, way I hope they wouldn't show up and say right, there's a woman right, pastor. Right. You're burning in hell. Now I would think that there's probably unhealthy people on both sides that of would do that kind of stuff. All extremes are dysfunctional. Exactly. But um, but when it's all said and done, they're still part of our our Christian family. Right. And so um, so those are those primary beliefs. The secondary beliefs they can make denomination differences, which right. is huge. Then those tertiary beliefs are differences within a denomination. So like, um, so take eschatology, for example. Ooh, come on. Yeah, so that's the last, the study of the last things, the end times. Last things. Super, super fun to talk super about. Super light conversation. Yeah, no, we, <laughs> we, might have to do a, we might have to do an episode on that. But, um, so the foundational belief is that Christ is going to return and make all things new. It says it in right. Revelation. Jesus says that. Behold, I make all things new, right? Yep. That's the foundational belief. You yep. believe that? You're a Christian. Rock all on. Right, yeah. Yes, Lord. So, um, but then... Is it amillennial, premillennial, or postmillennial? That might actually determine, you know, what your theological tradition is. Right. But then, like, let's say you're premillennial. That's your view. Right. Then you're saying, now, are you pre-trib, post-trib, or, post-trib, or, or mid-trib? No, mid-trib. Or mid-trib. Yeah, yeah, like that. Then that's that's within even that same evangelical tradition that would say premillennialism. Yeah. So that's like super tertiary. Like, yeah. Like we're arguing about- It's the sub of the sub of the primary. <laughs> right. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. So some people say like, you're arguing about how many angels can fit on the pin of a needle. <laughs> like, like that kind of, have you ever heard that? I have not. Yeah. So it's like- good. It sounds like Horton Hears a Who. Yeah, kind of, In like, yeah. in yeah. religious circles. Yeah, yeah, kind of. <laughs> But I mean, the idea is basically, you know, um, hey, these things are really, they really don't affect your salvation. They really don't, shouldn't break your communion towards, you know, each to, other. Like, yeah, like, to like, each oh, other, please. I won't, I won't be I won't, your brother or sister in Christ because of this, you know, like, yeah. it's like I won't on. attend your church because you're pre-trib. Like, come right, on, right. come on, guys. <laughs> but, but then, but then if somebody did say, yeah, I don't know if I believe in the Holy Spirit. Okay. And you're like, whoa, whoa, whoa. We got a problem. You know, that's, Wait, that's, hold on a second. <laughs> that's, a, that's a primary belief, you know? Yeah, for and so sure. I, I think that's a, that's a big part of it. If we can know what are those foundational claims, then we can realize not like what's safe to deconstruct, but like what makes sense to deconstruct. Right. Because if you could deconstruct beyond that, then you're like, you're, you're not even speaking on terms of Christianity anymore. Right. Then you are what parents are afraid of. You're losing your faith. Yeah. You know what I mean? Yeah. And so I think it's helpful to to make that distinction. Oh, for sure. I remember one time I went to um, this conference and I'm not going to talk about the conference or anything like that. <laughs> so, and it was, it was a, it was a student, a master student. And you know, I commend what she was doing and she was, you know, she seemed like a very bright person and yeah, 
she was talking about um uh she was using this theory um uh a, like a literary theory mm. to to critique theology interesting and she was saying theology has been seen as oppressive in so many ways this and that and, and this and that like it's done this it's done this and that and right. those critiques are like you know solid like the, like it has valid, in yeah. various places done that but then her solution was therefore we shouldn't do theology anymore Ooh. and so and like i raised my hand and i didn't want to sound like super mean about it but i was just like have you read jürgen moltman's crucified god right and she was like no have you read miroslav wolf have you read walter brueggemann have you read and i, I listed like five scholars that literally deal with exactly what she was talking about. Right. She did not read any of them. Oof. And so her. That's why we do theology. That's why we do theology. <laughs> that's why we do it. <laughs> and, so, and so that and that, but that kind of can speak towards what happens with deconstruction. Yeah. It's like so many theologians have thought about all of these issues. Yeah. And they thought about them so intensely and creatively and and mm-hmm. in such g- important ways. Yeah. You will find your answers. Yeah. But if your instinct is it doesn't make sense, therefore I'm leaving it behind. Yeah then I don't know if you did your due diligence. You know what I mean? And friends, don't deconstruct your faith because of a 30-second video that you saw on TikTok (laughs) that validated a negative feeling you had about the church or your personal experience or your trauma. Like, there is so much more (laughs) to study of scripture, to theology, to to all of it than just a 30-second video that you feel validates a doubt you may have but or a question you may have. And that's not to say that your issues with the faith aren't valid. Oh, they're so valid. And and they're so, 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 so valid. But like, just because I validate your emotions and your trauma doesn't mean I'm going to empower them. Yeah. Or just, or just, <laughs> or just say like, um, or be like, okay, <laughs> if we don't like, if we don't like how the church has given us quick fixes, then realize that deconstructing all the way is a quick fix. Yeah. You're not actually like It's going easy in. to throw the baby out with the bathwater. Yeah. That is but, the e- that's the easy way. And I don't want to do you know like some people I think do legitimately search and, and all that kind of stuff oh, yeah. and, and I think that's a uh, and and so we don't want to like lump it all together no. and all the, there's nuance. There's nuance there's for sure. There's nuance for everything. So I mean I think that's why we're trying to you know create uh give resources here yeah. to go deeper and um and just to think through it but I think this has been a really good conversation. I agree. Um, and <laughs> essentially, like the table of contents of what this uh, of the, what this is about, like what yeah. we do with TikTok theology, is we're going to hit some of these issues and and nuance them and make make them make sense. What are the real issues that people are dealing with? Yeah. And then what are some resources and ways of thinking about it? Because they're can, so real. Because they're real. They are so real. Social media has showed us how real these experiences are with people. And that I think is the is the benefit of of this. And I think that's why. You know, that's why we want to call it TikTok theology is to, to <laughs> validate the idea that people are dealing with stuff and they're using creative means to show us, hey, this is an issue. And it's showing us how many people agree and right. how many people experience. Because yeah. in the last like three years, like 400,000 plus tags of the hashtag deconstruction have shown up. Like this is not an individual experience. Like no, it's a serious. This is a ser- like people are feeling it. And mm-hmm. so, but let's deconstruct in community. Yeah. Like let's not do this in isolation. Let's not do this by ourselves. Like let's get involved. Let's talk about it. Let's I talk to each other. Like don't deconstruct by yourself. Don't. Don't because that will tear you apart. It'll tear you down. Like do it with trusted community. Yeah. Don't just don't just do it with any old person. Mm-hmm. Um. But do it together. Like I'm not judging you for deconstructing. I've done it. But deconstructing doesn't mean destruction. So right. don't tear the whole thing down. And be open to reconstruction as yeah. well. Yeah. 
don't 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 be wanting to throw the baby out with the bathwater. Be mm-hmm. willing to rebuild. Yeah. Because you might <laughs> you you'll probably find an understanding or something more than what you thought was there mm-hmm. and be willing to hear it. You yeah. know, like there's so much good scholarship out there and there's so many resources that you may come across an answer to the question that you have. Um, and you know what I think is also uh, like a final point Yeah, is I think maybe if you're having these questions, God might be calling you specifically hmm. to handle these questions and help someone else. Come on. You might have a calling on your hands. Yeah. And that's, and that's, and that's why it's impressive. That's why you're asking on you. questions. And that's why you're asking questions. Yeah. Um, and so, uh, you know, I think have the, have the, have the faith that no matter how hard the questions get, Jesus is going to be on the other side. Yeah. You know, because um, I firmly believe that. Yeah. He's and there with you. He doesn't the, abandon you the minute you doubt. Nope. He's and, right there with you. And part of, you know, AJ makes his point, but part of having faith is having doubt yeah. or else it's not faith. Yeah. Then you just know something. Read read Doubting Thomas's whole little spiel mm-hmm. <laughs> in the Gospels. And mm-hmm. if you're not encouraged <laughs> that the guy who saw Jesus do miracles like firsthand still, still doubted. doubted yeah. Still, but, still ask questions. And Jesus still loved and him. And Jesus still loved him. Showed him compassion, showed him his hands, showed him his side. And then, and then Thomas had this beautiful ministry afterwards. Yeah. Um, you know, Christian tradition says he went all the way to India to do uh, ministry. And, and still ministers to us. We still, still we still read <laughs> about yep. doubting, doubting, quote unquote, doubting Thomas. Yeah. So, yeah. you know, maybe you're doubting Thomas. Maybe and, your story is someone's doubting Thomas moment. And I bet you <laughs> Thomas is up in heaven, you know, realizing that we're calling him doubting thomas and not taking that as an insult no taking that as like a badge of honor a badge of honor that he like was he able doubted to, so we could so as we well. could too yeah so i love that so awesome great chat i'm looking forward to me as well yeah all right <laughs> all right everybody we hope this uh, has blessed you and uh, we'll see you guys next time bye